Welcome to Chasing Expectations, a podcast where we explore how our cultural backgrounds have influenced our career paths. I'm Douglas. And I'm Kathy. Today we are joined by my good friend Sasri, who discusses her journey from Indonesia to Australia, graduating with a degree in commerce, turning down a job at a big four firm, and finding a balance between job stability and doing what she loves in the burgeoning field of customer success. Hi everyone, <laughs> I'm Sass. Um, so I guess like a bit of background. So Doug and I went to uni in Australia, specifically in Melbourne. So I'm actually dialing in from Melbourne at like 8.30 in the morning right now. Um, I moved here, well, technically for uni, um, but I actually spent a bit of time here before uni. I did exchange for high school in an area called Mornington Peninsula, which is like about an hour away from Melbourne. Um, So I'm kind of familiar with the city already. Um, I also have family members here. So I guess going back and forth has always just been a thing. And yeah, um, so when I just finally decided to move to Melbourne for uni. It's not like completely brand new, I guess, which is great. My background is Indonesian um, and I grew up primarily in Jakarta, which is the capital. Yeah, we went to Melbourne Uni, which is where I met Doug. We all stayed in a, a residential college. So that was a really good way to ease yourself into a new place, I feel, especially as you know, international students, because it's one thing to go to high school here locally and then being in uni, you already have like that group of friends and coming from internationally, you obviously don't have that support. So you kind of have to like start from scratch and yeah, being in a residential college was super helpful. After graduation, instead of going back to Indo, like all of my friends, uh, all, my, all of my Indonesian friends, um, I decided to stay. I'm still here. Yeah, and the residential call was called International House, too. So gives Shout you an idea of what sort of people were going to that. <laughs> the panda. Our mascot was, for some reason, a panda. <laughs> nothing screws international yeah. like the symbol of China. <laughs> but it's also universally cute, so, you know. Yes. 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 Who doesn't love a panda? Very true. What did you study in university? Um, so I did commerce, um, like a very good um, Asian daughter that I am. Um, <laughs> so I did commerce um, at Melbourne um, and actually transferred from University of Indonesia. So I did, I think it was, what, two years in Indo before transferring to Melbourne Uni. Um, and the reason why I did that is because otherwise, because I didn't do IB, um, I would have to like pretty much repeat year 12. And I was like, oh yeah, not doing that. Um, whereas if I went to uni in Indoor, we had like this arrangement where I get a degree from University of Indonesia and also a degree from Melbourne Uni. So technically I have like two bachelor's degree, which is like so much better than repeating year 12. So, so yeah, that was like really good. Um, and I also did... Um, we don't really have commerce, I guess, in um, in indoor. So I did like a Bachelor of Economics in like majoring in accounting at that time. Um, and then when I moved here, I added management to it um, just for funsies. So, yeah. <laughs> just because you could. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what was um, your reason for making the move to Australia? That's a good question. I think I've always just wanted to move away from indoor and uni feels like a good time to branch out. I was actually considering like different places and not just Australia. Um, so 
I think year 12 was like when we were start deciding where you want to go for uni. Um, I applied for a university in the UK, a couple of universities in Singapore, and I looked at options in Australia as well. And that's how I found out that I had to repeat year 12. And I was like, no way, man, I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, but that's the same. So like at the same time that I got accepted at um, this program, that's like half in Indo, half in Australia, you get two degrees. I also got accepted um, at a university in Singapore. But I decided to take this program move to Australia, I guess, because it's further away from home. Just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like Singapore is just like an extension of Jakarta in a way. And I, I really wanted to have a different experience, but also still have that comfort of, oh, I know people um, and it's not completely new. So I think it was just a happy medium. Taking a step back, I'm curious, like, what was your childhood like growing up in Indonesia? And what was it like moving to Australia and experiencing kind of a different culture and um, a different environment? Yeah, I mean, I guess Indoor is very different in a way that we don't drink as much beer uh, compared to Australians. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, get on the beers that we were talking about earlier. Um, yeah, so I guess um, I got, I'm pretty lucky, I guess, growing up in Indoor, but not really um, in that. I live in a bubble in a way because um, my mom's upbringing is very international. So she grew up as what we call a diplo brat. <laughs> so a child of a diplomat. <laughs> so um, growing up, we've always been exposed to, you know, different cultures. And it's not just always just Indonesia. You kind of look out and they put a big emphasis on like growing up. Mom and dad's always like education is really important. You have to like educate yourself with different things, um, exposing yourself with different cultures. I spent, I think, about a year or so of my childhood in Pakistan because at that time my late grandfather was posted there. Um, so, you know, being, what, six-year-old going to an international school and, like, a place that's so foreign, you have to wear, like, you know, a very different uniform as an example. I think as a kid that kind of fosters that, oh, yeah, it's actually okay to be uncomfortable and be exposed to different things in a way. Yes, it's a new experience. And yes, it's a bit of a culture shock, I guess, because people, and maybe this is the same with Canada as well, it's a bit more independent. You're very much like judged on you as a character, as a person. And you, it's, it's, more, it's a little bit of like, well, you got to do what, what makes you happy. And we're like, but what about security and making your parents proud? And like, you know, stuff like that. That it's just like, and considering that like, oh, would my parents be okay with that? But they're like, well, no, it's it's you as a person to grow in a way. And um, I guess that that mindset is the thing that changes a lot. And, and I think going back to living in residential college was really good because you still have that bubble of, oh, we come from, I guess, a background that's very different from Australia, but you're not straight into the deep end a little bit you can still like talk about that with friends that would have a would, sorry would have gone through the same experience that you are so it's not that like oh it's so scary that I'm like now have to do all these things but you can like have the comfort of having that like Asianness or like have like you know Indonesian friends as well that sort of like makes you feel comfortable um in doing that transition from living in indoor and living in Australia 
Yeah, I think it's really interesting what you were talking about, um, kind of trying to strike that balance between kind of your Asian-ness and also Western values of trying to make you more independent, think for yourself, and also go and pursue your dreams regardless of stability. I think when people think about Asian, sometimes they can categorize them as either, you know, here we have the term fob or fresh off the boat, or like you're an ABC. But I think it's very much a big spectrum that's out there, and especially for immigrant kids or like Asian kids who grew up in more Western culture. I think a lot of it is about balancing the values between both cultures. But it sounds like your parents um, really valued education. Do they have any expectations for you in terms of what kind of career they wanted you to pursue? Um, I guess yes and no. You know, I remember this like like it was, it was yesterday. I remember it was like year 12 and we had to decide what major you wanted to do. And I already knew that, like, there's no way in hell I'm going to be a doctor. Like, <laughs> I hate, like, blood and needle. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not doing this. Um, and also, like, watching Grey's Anatomy, as fun as it is, stresses me out a little bit. Um, and <laughs> I was like, no, this is too much. Um, and I think law is just it's never for me, I don't think. And so... I did a science stream in high school. It's probably a bit different in Canada, actually. Um, so in high school in Indonesia, you have to choose between social sciences stream and like just science, science, like physics, um, chemistry, and your classes are so different. So I didn't do econ in high school. And so I was like, well, I don't know anything about econ, but I like money and I'm great at spending it. So maybe, it should, maybe <laughs> it's something that I like business and being entrepreneurial is always something that... It's in my blood in a way. So both of my parents are now entrepreneurs. So it's like, it's not as foreign, but I don't really know about it. And my parents uh, like kind of, I guess, organized like lunch dates and tea and whatnots with their friends. So I can then have a chat with them about your career in, you know, accounting or a career in, you know, just different parts of commerce that I just never really knew about. Um, and that helped That's me. Awesome. Yeah, that was that was really cool. And it's so lucky that we we have that opportunity to do that. And I think that sort of helped me decide like, oh, yeah, maybe I want to do commerce. But I remember as well in the same, <laughs> at the same time, um, coming back from that exchange in Australia, I came back with like a book of um, like different universities and the courses that they offer. And I remember like just highlighting things like game design and like really random like arty stuff <laughs> that my parents are like, I mean, that's interesting, but what about these things? And then you can do that too. So, <laughs> you know, that, that Classic. So, exactly. <laughs> Trying to divert the conversation. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was like, well, I guess that makes sense because whatever it is that you wanted to do, you wanted to make sure it is successful commercially. And yeah, so I did, I did, um, I did that. I ended up in um, commas. You mentioned that your mom grew up in Canberra, yeah. uh, or at least spent, spent quite a bit of time there. Do you think that influenced her perspective on what sort of career path you could have? I kind of feel like it's not the fact that she grew up overseas, I guess, but her career itself. So my mom works in advertising. And so being in like, you know, that creative world, uh, and I think that's why I was really interested in it because I was like, well, this is my role too because um, I'm I'm really close with my mom. Like she would take me to like shoots and whatnot as a kid. Um, so I was like, well, I get this world and I wanted to be in it. Um, but she's like, no, no, no. It's just, I don't think it's a, a good career path because it's very like, I guess seasonal as well. It's not as like safe, quote unquote, as like, you know, 
I guess being <laughs> you want to be cautious um, and so they're like oh well you know you can dabble into that but have this as a backup so it's a skill that whatever the you know the economic downturn or whatever is happening in the world you still be required you still have a job <laughs> so in a way I, should, I really should thank her um, because in the middle of pandemic I could you know, I, I'm still employed. I actually started a new job last year. Um, not in accounting, though. I have to <laughs> I have to, uh, to stress that. Um, there was like, yeah, went through like, you know, leaps and bounds to get to where I am. But there's like skill of being resilient, um, being like entrepreneurial, as I said, that I learned all those skills through uni doing commerce um, was what helped. So can you tell us a bit more about your current job and how you got there? You mentioned that it was quite a journey. And I know I know you've like just from when I've known you, you've like switched, I think, at least one job. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit more about your like career journey and how you got the job that you have today? And also, like, I don't think I know exactly what you do. <laughs> I don't think like, I, know I know exactly know what you're you doing. Are, like, marketing plus, like, you're helping a startup. Yes, <laughs> I was. Yeah, when I first met you, I was working for a startup, um, and um, that's how I got into. Well, my official title is customer success manager, and actually, I'll find you. I was like, I was trying to like, how should I? How can I explain what I do best? And I actually <laughs> found a really good website. Um, well, I should have just gone here for the start because it's a really good resource about CS and what CS do. And they have a really good definition of what customer success is. So it's a business methodology of ensuring customers achieve their desired outcomes while using your product or service. So it's very different from, you know, customer service or support and also different from account management in a way that what I do is more proactive. So it's very much a relationship-based work. So what I do is I get to know a client. I try to understand what their needs are. Why are they engaging in our services to start with? And how can I make sure that they're happy? <laughs> and also they're a massive, I guess, supporter of our products. So you try and predict when you know, issues or churn might happen or identify the opportunities. Whereas customer service or customer support is more of a, you know, hey, I'm going to call you now because my software is not working. So it's very reactive. Um, and account management is also a little bit different because it's more, like, there's a commercial aspect to it where your KPI is very much, all right, how much revenue are you bringing into the business? Um, I'm not judged based on like the revenue that comes in but the strength of the relationship or the health of the account um, itself so it's very much like relationship based um how I got here um I actually started my current job last year throughout the pandemic which is really interesting um but it's um it's this I guess the move that I needed to do it I guess the whole pandemic is a bit of a you know nudge on the bottom side of your body that you needed um (laughs) because now I'm I'm actually quite you know senior in what I do um I manage a team of six um whereas previously in the startup it's I'm part of a team in a way but I don't have like a direct rapport so it's certainly like the step step up that I need but I was like really comfortable I really like the job um 
and I'm still friends with the the um, people that I used to work with as well at my previous company. But that was my first foray in the CS world. So, um, and going into tech, which I now know that's it's just an industry that I absolutely love. Like it's just so interesting it's exciting a product can be so many different things to different customers and that's what I love about it it's it's just always exciting whereas previously I've been in financial services so not as an accountant but it's always in like the relationship side of things so like relationship manager so it's it's not very different the skills are pretty similar but um, just different industries yeah, so I guess that's how I ended up from commerce. I actually did an internship at a big four accounting firm um, wow. in Indo, and I actually did quite well. And they wanted to hire me right after graduation. But what happened was once I graduated and I decided I don't, I'm not going back to Indo, I, um, I've already been applying for jobs in Australia anyway. And that same firm that wanted to hire me in Indo couldn't hire me in Australia because they look at it as a different business and I guess that's a blessing in a way because otherwise I wouldn't be forced I guess to look outside of what I thought was the path that I'm supposed to take and I had to be a bit more creative in terms of all right cool so I have a a commerce degree I majored in accounting and management like what else can I do what other skills do I have um from that degree if I'm not going to be you know a big four accountant um, graduate straight away um so I applied for like smaller accounting firms and I'm just like mm, just not there um not something that I wanted to do because I'm not going to get that learning that you'll get in a big four um so I started looking at like different areas as well and so my first job was actually a project management company and it's more in the marketing side of things so it was definitely like a fish out of water experience in a way because like Yes, I understand marketing, but I'm not that creative. Um, I, I know how to use Photoshop and whatnot, but like I was a bit nervous because I was like, well, I can't design like an ad campaign. But what I learned from this, that job was the project management side of things and the client relations side of things. So we work with like apartment developers to try and understand their product and then market it to, you know, the potential buyers so we manage everything from like all right cool when are we going to start um our campaigns what kind of campaigns they are and i work with like the big vendors like the big um the big listing websites ad agencies i'm not actually the one doing the the creative as well that was like my, my i was like oh no i don't know how to do these things but it's actually more of like the relationship side of things between and managing that project so i guess from the very start I've always done that project management and relationship management type role. And so it evolves to finally moving from, you know, property flash project and then finance and I spent a fair bit of time there um, to tech. Yeah, it sounds like it was a very, uh, maybe not incremental way of getting to your current job, but definitely started off in a quite different trajectory. You're such a people person. So it sounds like you found a good niche for yourself because you can, you're very good at building relationships just from my personal experience. So um, uh, makes sense. 10 years know... of friendship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I know at those uh, big firms, be they accounting or consulting or law, a lot of the time you spend in the first almost half decade, you're never going to see a client. You're never going to talk to anybody. If you do, it's in a very minimal role. Mm. So I understand why that might not have been the best fit, especially if you're, you thrive on uh, building relationships. 
Yeah, mm. for sure. It, there's no right or wrong answer. Um, it really just, I guess, going back and really understanding like who you are as a person, what you wanted to do, and if that's something that you'd be comfortable doing day in, day out. And when you think about it, you spend a majority of your life really working or being in that environment right you spend more time with your colleague than your partners in like no non-covid times of course like now it's different it's 24 7 um but previously like you spend what 40 hours a week at work and with work so you better like what you do and yeah. i guess tying that back to you know question earlier kathy around um you know what's like culturally what that's like to stroke that balance this is pretty much it like it's in a way finding something that um is safe enough i guess but also finding that balance of oh i feel comfortable of saying i don't specifically want that one but like an iteration of it You talked about kind of figuring out finally what direction you wanted to take your career in, which is the people-oriented side. I'm wondering, like, what was your process of coming to that decision or realization? Because I feel like that's what a lot of people are struggling with. Um, with your major, like, in, in, in commerce, I think that's something that I consider going into uni. But for me, that was, like, such a like broad scope of work I would have no idea where to even start whereas like healthcare and pharmacy you know you go into school and you graduate and you know exactly what you're going to do so like for me it's a completely different world so how did you kind of even narrow that focus down and and figure out what you wanted to do I would think maybe it's similar to the process that you went through that you look at commerce as too broad and therefore you'd go to healthcare I look at it the same way and I guess did the 180 because if I go to something like law or healthcare, then I'll be stuck in that route forever. And I guess I'm just like, oh, I don't, that's a bit too scary for me to have that like <laughs> one pathway. Um, look, I can't even, okay, this is probably a terrible thing to say because I've been with my partner for five years, but I can't even do a gym contract. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> imagine like, <laughs> you know, saying that I'm going to do this for the rest of my life when I'm 17. So it's probably like, that was way too scary. In a way, that's why I chose commerce because um, of the stories that I've heard and, you know, asking that question of, what are the opportunities and it's so diverse that that whole like it's so big and it's so vast and what you can do um in terms of what you can do sorry is pretty broad and that actually what made me chose it means that I don't have to stick with one thing and I get to try a different thing dabble in different things until I I found it and yeah and that that sort of sounds kind of like an extension of the entrepreneurial spirit you you always just want to like just throw everything at the wall see what sticks and yeah. uh, go for it there. Did did you pick that up? Do you think from your parents and uh, and, and their associates? For sure, like a hundred and ten percent. So um, I think I mentioned earlier, like my parents are both entrepreneurs who own their own businesses now. Um, and I think for them, they already knew the field that they are. You know, they wanted to be in. Um, they've always been the same field for as long as I've known them. Um, so it's not like they try something new, but but yeah, like I, I think that it definitely impacts in how I think 
um, and looking at like what my mom now does as well, like, you know, throughout the pandemic, she's actually been starting to, you know, learning how to cook and whatnot, which is really cool. Um, and now she's, uh, sorry, I guess a side, side note, um, none of the women in my family actually know how to cook. Except maybe my grandma. Um, so it's a big deal. And I'm like, oh, we're like, well, like the family WhatsApp group is filled with like, you know, cooking and recipes. And just like, I would never imagine this happening ever. Um, but now she has like a side business, like a catering side business. So, oh, wow. Um, oh, wow. Cool. yeah. Um, so it's just like, you know, it was, it's a hobby that now becomes a business in a way. But yeah, so it's that the whole entrepreneurial thing has always just been part of who I am, I guess. Mm-hmm. My family is similar in that my grandparents and my mom's side of the family were very much entrepreneurs. And I think that was an extension of just being immigrants to Canada. You don't necessarily mm-hmm. have that education and that set career path. Um, but I think being exposed to that actually helps you internalize the risk and see that you can take those risks and then those risks eventually pay off. Because when you're trying to find your path, you ultimately find something you find something or you starve right um so yeah i think that's a that's a an important point to make is that risk can be a good thing and a lot of people who just choose that healthcare path or that law path or that big four consulting firm or accounting firm path don't necessarily see the upside of the risk and uh i think that's a fairly inspiring that you took those risks in and you found found something that you actually enjoy yeah exactly (laughs) and like you kept your options open yeah because i think for sure um like you pointed out we kind of did like took an opposite approach to that where i went for a very sure set route but only now coming out of maybe four or five years out of my pharmacy career that's when i realized you know hey there's more things out there but transitioning from like a very Um, narrow scope of work to like something that's a bit more broad like project management that was definitely a big transition for me it is using a completely different part of my brain so I think it's great that you were able to explore that very early on your career because of your parents influence yeah super like definitely um I couldn't and and in a way like going back to your point about risk like my life is like a pro-con list but (laughs) in saying that I could take risks because I know that my parents are being supportive. Um, you know, they would play devil's advocate, right? I'd be like, are you sure this is what you want? Or oh, what about this? What about that? And, you know, I think every parents, uh, regardless of, I guess, culturally what their background is, is a little bit like that as well, because they just want to, you know, make sure that you are making the best decisions that you can. Um, and so sometimes it is annoying and it has like, oh, but what do you mean? I know what I want. But um, <laughs> because they because they play that devil's advocate, you're like, oh, yeah, actually, I should consider these things as well. And honestly, like I can't take risks if they're not supported. I feel like maybe that's the Asianist in me that I still want them to be proud of what I do, you know, and 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 be comfortable with what I'm doing. And to know that they'd be like, oh yeah, I'm proud of you. Or, you know, like, this is really cool. Tell me about what you do is, um, is definitely um, making it easy for me to take risks. What has it been like being Asian women working professionally in your field? That's so interesting. That's a really good question, actually. I don't actually know any other Indonesian. Really? And I I go go to like meet. And this is probably just it's a new because customer success is fairly new. Um, It's not like law or or medicine that's been, you know, forever. (laughs) This is we're not even I don't think the field's been around for like 
20 years. It's fairly, it's fairly young. And um, especially in Australia, it's not that big. And I mean, I could be wrong. There's probably CS managers in Australia that's also of Indonesian background. If so, hello, let's be friends. Um, <laughs> but when I go, when I go to like meetups, um, and because uh, there's a lot of like just like um, startup event and meetup events that I go to, I never bump into another Indonesian. So maybe they're like hiding somewhere. But yeah, um, and I could be wrong. There's probably a lot of them, but um, I just don't know. Um, but in terms of CS. Um, I think in going back to tech, women in tech itself is, I wouldn't say rare. It's, we're definitely like, it's something that um, is growing. And I love that as a trend. And there's a lot of like support system for women in IT as well. So certainly not alone in CS, sorry, and certainly not the only women in customer success in tech as well. So um, yeah, but like I said, I don't actually know any other Indonesian that is in CS in tech. So if you're around, give me a shout out and let's connect. <laughs> no, that's awesome. You're kind of like blazing a path for other Indonesian women to pursue a similar field, especially now you're in a leadership role, because I think it's really important that there is representation in like managerial leadership roles. In pharmacy, I think it was very, very common to see other Asians, Asian uh, faces, but then in even in research or like project management in research, which is what I'm doing, like especially in the higher levels of health research, you rarely ever see like an Asian face there. And it can be a little bit discouraging because you are looking for mentors who have um, your lived experience, I guess, or have come from a similar background that you can look up to. Um, so I think it's really great that you are kind of representing uh, your culture. Yeah, representation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how how do you find um, managing people versus managing clients? What's what's the what's the difference between them? And uh, which do you? Well, I which I shouldn't say which do you prefer. Scratch that. <laughs> Just let us know what it's like managing people versus managing clients. Um, look, definitely similar skills, but in a different way, I guess, because with with clients. Um, you don't interact with them on that whole 40-hour week that you work in. Um, you interact with different clients, whereas with your colleagues, that is like your team, right? Um, and especially when it comes to managing people, um, you got to remember that they're, well, people just like yourself with like needs, aspirations, things that they love, things that they don't love. In a way, they're like mini clients, I guess, <laughs> yeah. um, that you deal with literally all the time. Um, but yeah, what um, I can say for sure that managing a new team during a pandemic when you did most of it remotely is certainly different. <laughs> I don't think there's like a management book for that. <laughs> and I could be wrong. Um, but that was certainly interesting. And, you know, I've managed teams before, but certainly not when you, you know, a new team remotely. So that was challenging um, in a good way. And yeah, now that I've I've met them. I actually, the first time I met them was at our Christmas party and I started the role in March. So you can imagine how weird that was. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess in a way, like like us, right? We've been friends for what, 10 years and the majority of that time you're back in Canada and yet we can still hang and, and talk about literally anything and everything. And I think um, it credits to that whole like relationship building skill and that's the same thing with managing teams is you just got to remember that they're people too and you want to get to know them you don't want to be their manager in a way like mm -hmm. yes you're their manager but you're also their their friend you can you know i want my 
team members and I really hope they do like they can come to me with literally anything except maybe you know can you please cook something because I'll be like no I will pay for someone to pay that to cook that for you um but I I just wanted to make sure that I'm accessible uh, much like how I am to my clients in a way and are there any particular challenges with uh managing your clients is it uh I know in law we are always had to be available almost 24 7 is it is it similar in your field uh yes and no um I think the pandemic has certainly changed things because you suddenly don't have that nine to five working hour anymore um and I probably create the problem as well because now I'm like well I'm bored so I might as well just jump on my emails and like (laughs) you know do a bit of work um and that sort of gives a signal that oh yeah maybe she is available so yes and no you're not expected to be available 24 7 um but you are expected to be available if they there's a what we call a priority one issue, like the system's down, as an example. Then, um, yes, you have to be available for those major incidents, um, but you're certainly not expected to work, you know, 24-7. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And do you ever find it difficult to strike a work-life balance? I feel like that's a work in progress for me too. Yeah, and, and I actually just had my performance management earlier this week. And I'm just like, just need to make sure that you're not overworked. Uh, because I, I, just, I was like, yeah, I'll take whatever. And, and you know, send emails like random times at night. It's, it's definitely something that I'm still working on. Because I guess the downside in a way of working on a field that you're passionate in, is just like you just in it and you just wanted to do everything and and be involved in a lot of things and maybe fill your plate a little bit more than you should but you know um that's yeah like i said work in progress <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and you're typically um, since i've known you you're a workhorse too you'll just keep going at it because you do enjoy what you do <laughs> and you I do want to do a really do. good job it's very clear to us that you enjoy doing what you do you enjoy your job you kind of been able to find that balance between, you know, having stability and also doing something that you like. Would you say that you kind of made it in terms of what you thought you would have achieved by now in your career, you know, when you were little, when you were younger, like what is your definition of making it and have you reached that or is it still far off in the distance? Uh, Kathy, you asked like the like seriously great questions. Like, not saying that your questions aren't great, Doug, but like Ouch. I literally had. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, but that's a really good question, Kathy. I had a similar conversation maybe just last night with my partner actually, because um, like you said, when you were little, you're like, oh, by the time I'm 25, I'm gonna be doing these things. When I'm 30, I'm gonna be doing these things. And I had a bit of like. A realization because there's like a lot of things going on in my life personally as well that oh man like if I look at that list what I wrote when I was like 10 or whatever it's so different mm-hmm. and like I'm you know what I mean like I'm over 30 or oh, just over 30 but <laughs> you know I'm not married with kids like you know what I mean because like going back to like that Indonesian background because that's what's expected I guess not a like career wise but as a family you're expected to you finish university, you work in, um, you know, a high paying corporate job for a year or two, find a guy, get married, have kids, and then maybe go back to work. That's, that's, that's like the, you know, the life plan, right? So like when I was younger, that's my expectation as well. Whereas my life right now is so different from that. And in saying that though, it's not a bad thing either. So that's, I guess what I need to keep reminding myself that being different, much like my career choices earlier in life, 
is totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being able to readjust, I guess, because as much as you can plan for stuff, life happens. And then it's just about, okay, well, are you happy where you are right now? You're probably not exactly where you think you're going to be when you are, you know, just over 30 or what have you. But um, in a way, you are ticking the really important boxes, right? Like your values are still the same. You still believe in the same things. You still have like a great relationship with your parents and your siblings. Um, you build lasting relationship with your partner and you have a group, a great group of friends wherever they are in the world. Um, you know, I have a, I live in an apartment that's like really nice. I can do what I want it to do. Every night when I finish work, I have options. Um, I'm healthy. Um, so those like really important values are ticked. So even though it's different from where I thought I'm going to be, I'm not mad about that either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I think it's about the happy surprises because I feel like the things that we value now, or at least for me, is often the things that you didn't expect would have happened. Um, I think for me... I definitely did not expect to get married before I was 30, before I turned 30, and I'm nearing, I'm turning 29 very soon. Um, But I did kind of expect that by this time, I would have my career like figured out. Mm. Um, And I definitely envisioned myself in like a corporate kind of role. And and up until now, because of the pandemic, I haven't stepped foot in office at all (laughs) whatsoever Mm. in my career. Um, But I can't say that, you know, you know, meeting my partner, meeting Doug and like getting married, was like a bad thing that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> i mean like maybe we need to have like a separate conversation then I'm i'll leave the room for 10 minutes come yeah. back see if kathy's still here it, it's the happy surprises <laughs> <laughs> yeah for yeah. sure for sure and um hey this is i'm not saying that having goals is not important or having like that you know 5 10 or 20 year plan isn't important I think it is because it sort of it anchors you as well in terms of making decisions of what you want. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that if it's a little bit different or it's like it's heaps different from what you thought it's going to be, that's okay too. As our final question, if you could talk to little Sass, um, what would you tell her? Um... Probably not to stress too much that your path will be slightly different from your peers. Um, Because I think, um, I don't know if it's an Asian upbringing, but like you obviously, you don't want to be too different from your friends because that's what your expectation is. You're too different from like what your parents' expectation is. And I guess I just wanted to be able to say to Bibisass that, hey, it's totally fine. You're taking risk and um risks rather um and it's going to be okay it's going to work out and um you know you're still happy healthy you have a great relationship with the important people in your life and that's what matters thank you for listening to chasing expectations we hope you enjoyed today's episode if you like what you heard please give us a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts everyone has a unique story to tell if you would like to share yours you can reach out to us through our email or instagram in the description Until next time.